Katie. I'm Erica. And this this is is Book Talk. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erica. Happy Book Talk Day. Welcome to Book Talk. We are a weekly podcast where we read books and we talk about them. And this episode is about the second section of Charlotte McConaughey's Once There Were Wolves. When I was trying to summarize this section, I was stressed. I have like two paragraphs written because so much happened in this section. So we start this section going back in time when Aggie and Inti live off the land with their dad in the forest. Um, he keeps leaving them and something is something's going on and we're not 100% sure what, where he is going off on his own a couple times. He even ends up hurting Aggie, but he's definitely becoming less himself and more violent. We go back in the current time to Scotland, um, where so far one wolf has died and his mate is about to have pups. Um, NT and the police chief are getting closer by the day and they go out to check and see if she's come home to her den and find out that she already had the adorable little pups. Um, I am currently equal parts loving Duncan and equal parts not trusting anything he says. Um, later on in this section, we have a run in with Stuart outside the bar. Um, after the altercation, Duncan goes out to talk to him and ends up hurt. But Inti still goes home with him. She is not deterred, um, but wakes up at 3 a.m. to find Duncan gone, goes out on her own, trying to be over it and leave him and finds Stuart dead. Um, she's panicked because she thinks people will think it is the wolves and she buries him. And then later on joins a search party to find him pretending like she knows nothing. We flash back one more time to Inti accidentally sleeping with Aggie's boyfriend, which was a whole traumatic chapter. And then we flash back to current time where Inti is pregnant with Duncan's baby after she ends things with him. I don't think we could have fit any more plot in this section. Truly. This was very dramatic. It was a dramatic series of events. So many things happened. I feel like this book is nothing if not interesting. I am fully captivated. There is so much to talk about. Same. I also still have this super ominous feeling like something really bad is happening. So it's strange that in this section, Stuart dies, who was the threatening presence to Inti. But now it's like, was he really the threatening presence? Is there another threatening presence? Is Inti the threatening presence? I really don't have any idea. You still feel weird about it, though, even after he died. Totally, I feel weird about it. There's obviously questions about what Duncan's involvement was and how much Duncan knew. There's also open questions about, like, who actually killed him and how did he actually die? Inti still doesn't even know. Maybe it was the wolves. Maybe it wasn't. And then now we have this dead body you know, that's been buried and whoever killed Stuart knows that Stuart's body was just left out there and someone must have buried him. So there's this like double thing where Inti doesn't know who killed him, but whoever killed him doesn't know who buried him or why the body hasn't been found yet. Yeah. So I think we start here with this plot point (laughs) since we're already in it. (laughs) I agree. I think, you know, because I just like to come in hot with the predictions. I feel like Duncan killed Stuart and him and Inti are on such weird terms that Inti buried him. And, like, I think they both know that the other one, like, I think in their, you know, the depths of their hearts, they know the other one did it, but they can't say it because then they would be saying they were guilty. But I think Duncan killed him. Inti knows that. And I think Duncan knows Inti buried him. 
I hate reading romance like this when they're like, okay, everything was like great. And then all of a sudden she's like, actually, I have nothing left to give you. And he's like, okay, fine. I hate you. Um, that's great. We'll just never, it'll just like awkwardly exist. I'm like, no one just talks it out in real life. You just, someone says, I have nothing left to give you. And you just like leave. You're like, that's fine. Unless you have something else to hide. I also thought that part was really funny. It reminds me of movies where people are like conspiring to pull off some crime and they're like, Friday, 10 p.m., the piers, be there. And if that was me, I'd be like, sorry, where in the piers? Like, can you drop a pin? Because I'm like really not good with time. Like, just to confirm, you mean 10 p.m., right? Not 10 a.m. That'd be super weird. But I just want to clarify, like, let's make sure we're on yes. the same page. If Okay, like if I was Duncan, I would be like, what do you mean anything to give me? Let's just talk about it. Let's figure it out. Why don't you tell me what you did? Did you kill something? Like, I don't know. It just seems so weird that they're both like, oh, yeah, this person wants something else to do with me. That's fine. I'll just exist. Like, you're so into your wolves and your career that you have no ability to be a human. It's just kind of interesting. That part of it seemed a little bit unrealistic. But I still have hope for Duncan and Inti, per usual, that I hope they end up together for now. Or at least I have hope for this romance to get better. It's not good right now. Do you think that Duncan was having an or sleeping with Lainey? Is that her name? Oh yeah, I forgot Stewart's about this wife. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lainey. Um, I don't know. I feel like again, I think Duncan is hiding something, but I don't know. And there is something weird, something still ominous lurking, especially in the things Duncan says and in his secrecy. Like he has power like formally given to him and instead of using it you're going to kill somebody and I get that he doesn't have evidence but it also seems weird his relationship with Lainey how he talks about you know everybody is fallible or not all Stuart I'm like what did this guy do I feel like he's hiding something um and so I don't know I think he probably was sleeping with Lainey what do you think there's one point where Inti asks him like have you hurt someone the way Stuart hurt Lainey and his like face goes white so I think he has hurt someone. Maybe it's not physically, but it definitely seems like there's a really messy past that he is covering up. He also is really attracted to how aloof and complex Inti is, which means like this is a person who's like into the drama. Yeah, for sure. And he also says like his he's had all these past relationships, but then, you know, he's not he won't open up enough. He's not enough for them. And so I'm just interested or he's not good enough for them or whatever. I'm interested what happens with the two of them. I feel like there's a lot more to learn, but now I have to go to the other time that NT slept with someone, the only two that we know of, which is Gus. This story. (laughs) What did you think about it? (laughs) I can't. (laughs) I was so confused and creeped out and, yeah, not to not to kink shame anyone, but it's a little strange to be like, well, I want to share everything. I mean, I'm not a twin. I don't know. But that was so weird. That was so weird. I feel like I feel really bad for Inti here because I feel like she thought that this was like something adventurous she was doing, but he, you know, supposedly didn't know. Two things. I feel like that's false. Unless you are literally, I mean, identical twins. Okay, maybe if you don't like know them, but I feel like even identical twins have like a different freckle or something like you don't you're literally sleeping with a knowing Aggie and you accidentally confuse her for her identical twin sister. They talk exactly the same. They have the same interest. You spend a whole evening with her and you don't know. Like, I feel like that's not believable. I also so I think that part is really weird where like I feel like he definitely knew. And I also feel like their sister's relationship is is weird. It's weird. And like. At least to me, it seems weird. I feel like 
they're, I don't feel like they're too close, but something seems like just like kind of creepy to me about it. I don't know. I'm like, they're just, it's too much. Like, oh, we can share. And they're very like, they're always like sleeping in the same twin bed. And I'm like, okay, you can be twins. You can be super close. This seems like too much to me. I don't know. I agree. Even their mom has the point where she tells Inti, you're going to have to leave her to do what you want to do. And Inti says that's it's she thinks it's not even an option to go our separate ways. And I, I feel like I even get that. I even get when like, especially like twins, when you're growing up and going off on your own things, it can seem really weird to like leave part of you. And it is different than like siblings. And I get that. I get wanting to be like, oh, I want to be in California when she's in California because I don't I don't want to move to Scotland without her because it's too far. But like you don't want to be without her in your twin size bed. Right. And then the scene with them showering together where she's just like holding her. They have a super weird relationship. But again, now we know something else happened. I mean, how much trauma can these poor sisters go through? But now we know something else happens in Alaska. So first they go through these these couple of years with their dad who's slowly whittling away from Do we think he has dementia? Or that is a good guess. I was thinking he was just slowly losing his like sanity. But I don't know from what. And then he's just gone. And so they're just fending for themselves for two years, hunting all of their own food Wild. with a dad who's abusive. I love that she's like, Oh, I don't eat meat, I don't hunt, just like randomly at the dinner table. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> And then, yeah, then we have a reference to what happened in Alaska. So I think whatever happens in Alaska is what actually does it to Aggie. But it seems like Aggie had a sort of an interesting sadomasochistic thing going on with Gus. Like, Inti talks about being tied up. So it seems like they had, like, a lot going on there. So I don't know. Maybe Aggie's more, like, risky and adventurous and she gets herself into a situation where she's harmed by a man. I think that must be the case given how sensitive Inti is to what Stuart's doing to Lainey. First of all, Aggie does have something like some like wild streak in her because after these two years with their dad, which I think the dementia, the only reason I say dementia is because he's losing kind of where he's at and he's going off on his own. But also like another side of dementia is like being really defensive and really violent. So I feel like that's all I was thinking that part too. But then I think after those years, it's obviously not her, their dad that does something to Aggie that makes her like this because she goes on to have like, you know, be fun and flirty and traveling the world. And she's like, whatever. And so I don't know yeah, what happened in Alaska and we'll find out. But I also just want to say really quickly, someone just tied you up and you still did not tell them your name. I'm just like, what is happening? You must be right that Gus knew because... He must know. He's been dating Aggie for a while, so he must know she has a twin. Then, you know, it's sort of the th- clues that Inti was picking up that Lainey had been into Duncan's house. Like, how do you not know where the bedroom is? How do you not know what we're about to do? Like, this is established things that we've done as a couple or, like, even knowing the layout of my apartment or little things that I like. Like, everything that she was doing must have been slightly off and he just didn't pick up on it at all. He also dropped Inti back off at their apartment. So he'd been to their apartment. Well, she realizes at that point, she's like, my blood went cold. He knew where I lived. And I was like, oh, he's been stalking her. And then when he came in the house and realized like it was her sister's boyfriend, it's just, 
It's and Aggie's like fully unfazed by it. She's like a fully different person than the Aggie that we know now. So I am like curious what happened to her. I wonder what the point of including this Gus story is, if it's to show us like how weirdly close they are, or if it's to show us like this is who Aggie was previously and it's going to get worse. I don't know. I think it's showing us that Aggie is living sort of a adventurous lifestyle and maybe she is going to keep pushing the envelope and someone's going to take advantage of her. Okay. So then let's go to the, let's go back to what this book is like the main plot line, which is like the wolves and this biological experiment. How are you feeling about how it's going so far? Do you think that the townspeople are going to go on the hunt for the wolves or like, what is your kind of prediction as far as that? It definitely seems that people in the town are convinced the wolves ate Stuart. Oh, I mean, I don't want to get into the gory details of how this man was killed, but I'm like, could it be a human or like, was it a human made to look like wolves, which seems more likely, but it's also interesting because if Duncan did kill him, like obviously we need Stuart away from Lainey. Was this truly the only way? And then you're going to mess up your girl's whole experiment and possibly get all the wolves killed to just kill this guy blatantly. It's just very interesting whatever happened to Stuart. So I feel like maybe there's more to the story. I don't think Duncan killed him because this entire time he's basically been talking Inti off the ledge. Like, leave Stuart alone. It's much more complicated than you think it is. Not everybody is all one type of person. Yes, he might be bad in some ways, but he's just a human. Like, he's just a man. And sometimes men, sometimes men do horrible things. And, you know, but he's never, like, he's always pulling her back. So I don't see him going out that same night to take it into his own hands. But don't you think that would make him way more of a suspect if he was like antagonizing NT and was like, he is the worst. He needs to be stopped. I'll do anything I can to stop him. Like he'd be the prime suspect. Instead, he's like, yeah, but he's the police chief. That's true. Also, NT doesn't care. She wants him dead. That's also true. Oh, I I, okay. Here's my guess. Here's my guess. My guess is that Stuart went to NT's house like he does to stalk her and either Aggie killed him or Duncan found him and they had an inter like an interaction in the woods as he was like gonna try and hurt Aggie or something like that interesting yeah I'm very curious I feel like per usual this third section is gonna hopefully answer a lot of my questions and also the drama is about to get crazy I hope the rest of these wolves make it though like we have the mom and her little pups which is so sweet I want to cut a little wolf pup, but I hope they do okay and like can start to actually realize their conservation efforts, but I don't know. The wolves to me are just really a metaphor for how Inti views humanity, which is very dangerous and violent, but also wild and needing to sort of be free. So we'll see what Charlotte thinks about humanity like how is this going to wrap up are we able to be wild what does it mean to be wild can we resist our baser impulses are we really domesticated like they have this discussion at the end of this section I don't know we'll see we shall see okay one more thing at the end of this wild and extremely eventful section Inti is pregnant we almost just forgot that part I know. She also just told us that she doesn't want to be a mom. And she's very happy to not want to be a mom because 
of whatever happened with Aggie because of whatever happened to both of them. So I don't know if she's going to keep it. It also seems like her and Duncan don't want this. Didn't Duncan say he doesn't didn't Duncan say that he doesn't want to be a dad? Yes, and that all the women he was with thought he would grow out of it oh, or they yeah. could convince him, but he's clearly doesn't want that. Which again, I'm like, who is this dude? Like, why do you not want it? You live in like a small rural town in Scotland and you're like, I don't want to settle down, but I only have two friends and I don't like either of them. Like and dude, I don't what ever... is your deal? <laughs> yeah, it is so weird. I'm like you're never gonna leave this tiny little town. You might as well have a baby. Like for what? Um, it's it yeah, is very what, are the clubs too popping on the weekend in rural <laughs> <What> Scotland? <happened? laughs> what happened to you, Duncan? We need to know. I'm just yeah, curious how this all resolves as well. And I hope it doesn't resolve with like them both realizing they actually did want kids and they did grow out of it. Like I hope we have it's a better storyline than that. But we shall see. I love this couple who is like they're <laughs> Duncan is fully interrogating her. She's obviously one of the prime suspects for this murder. And he learns she has this mirror neuron synesthesia. And he's like, so you can feel everything? Oh, my God. I loved that. He's like, what about? But you can also wink, wink, wink. And they're (laughs) both like like, so into it. They are so messy. I love them. But they They love their energy. (laughs) They are messy. I love them. I also love that they're both like really stubborn like he's like i'm gonna bring you in and interrogate like everyone else and she's like cool i'm gonna give you nothing like everyone else i'm not gonna admit like i'm not gonna be they're just both very like stubborn and fiercely independent but also like can't stay away from each other because they're not actually fiercely independent i love it i love the messy i do too now is this a stable place to bring a child into the world i'm not sure but i love them anyway All right, so next week we are going to be reading chapters 16 through 21, which is pages 134 through 194. I cannot believe we're halfway done. See you all next week with more thoughts. I finished reading The Death of Vivek Oji, which I really, really loved. I think it takes a non-Western perspective on gender and sexuality and gender expression in a way that's provocative and also through this like mystical, amazing, beautiful main character, Vivek, who we know from the beginning, the whole book centers around his death. So it's about what his death means for his family, for his friends, for the people in his life and how just this like kind of one short life can be tied to so much more and such a big impact. It was beautiful. I loved Vivek. I loved looking at a new perspective on gender and sexuality and the author. I listened to an interview by the author and it just reminded me of why we do this podcast because it's so interesting to think about the book more broadly and more deeply and to hear the author's strategy behind the choices that they made. And they said essentially that a lot of the ideas about gender and transitioning and names and journeys and even coming out is such a Western view that doesn't exist in other cultures where in the author's perspective, the entire journey is authentic and every stage of discovering who you are and expressing yourself in different ways can be authentic. 
So it's fascinating. Just very super interesting. A little like, ooh, like you'll like a little squeamish and kind of in a good way. I think that's also part of that was intentional on the author's perspective to maybe make you feel a little uncomfortable. I also love that the author wrote in like Nigerian English. So the characters are speaking the way that they would speak in Nigeria, which is slightly different than American English, which is just makes for like a fun and interesting read. Okay. I'll put it on my list. I am reading in the middle of two books. So I started reading Milk Fed again. I have decided I hate it. I hate it. I might, I might finish it, but I hate it. And the thing is, I feel like I just don't, who is this book for? Literally, who is this book for? The entire first, I'm in chapter 20, so I'm like halfway done. At this point, I might finish it just to add it to my list of books I read because I'm like that far into this fucked up story. But like the first 20 chapters are literally this chick restricting her calories and eating yogurt in such, not only am I like, wow, she's not doing well, but also I'm like, I am bored reading about yogurt. Like I would really like to stop reading about yogurt. And then on top of that, her mommy fantasies are like, too much I'm like I can't it's just I'm not enjoying reading any of this that's like about your fucked up relationship with food or your fucked up relationship with your mom like it's not in a way that is like enticing I feel like I just feel like it's I can't believe somebody wrote it so I want to read it (laughs) kind of way I don't know who's this book for what is the point of it like should I keep reading is it worth it I mean I didn't like this book so (laughs) why did you give it to me I had this You took it. I swear you took it. I did not tell you to read it. I found this book very triggering. I also had the exact same reaction, which is like, who is this book written for? Because it seems very much like it's written for a mostly female audience. And yet it is like playing upon women's biggest insecurities. It's like uh, terrible to read. I hated it. It's terrible to read. I'm like, this is terrible. I might still finish it, but this is terrible. Um, I mean, you like Miriam. Yeah, we know Miriam and I'm I'm liking Miriam and I'm liking their love story. But why am I in chapter 22? And this is the first remotely normal, cute, happy thing, interesting thing that has happened so far is the introduction of Miriam. Wild. Um... So I got bored of that, and then I started reading The Midnight Library, which is good so far. Nice. Um, I don't know what it's about yet, because I just remember, did you, have you read it? I don't think so. Okay, I saw it at, I think it was on our potential book talk reads at one point. I saw I see it at Bookloft every time I go. I think it's about basically when you die, it's a library you go, like a fictional, obviously, <laughs> fantasy place you go to where you can pick and see what would have happened and basically read about your life if you would have made different decisions. So it's like about regret and living. I don't know. You're shaking your head. No, like you haven't read it or no, you don't want to read it. That sounds like an ad. That sounds like hell to me. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I mean, so it's probably not going to be good either. You, get to, you, you know. get to the afterlife and they're like, what if you didn't limit yourself? What if you didn't ever act out of fear? What if you followed that one person instead of that other? Ugh, I don't want to know that. That's horrifying. right. I think it's, um, <laughs> well, I'll pass the word up. <laughs> That's what you'd like. Um, <laughs> I will let you know. So far, we're just, this girl is she's really depressed and we're just like following her around in her last day of like life. Uh, I mean, I think she commits oh. suicide. Um, 
but I'm only a couple chapters in. So I will update you next week on if it's worth reading or not. And then I'm going to probably pick up a rom-com because, um, wow. Balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to balance it out. What am I? Oh, I'm reading right now The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh. This is a very popular book. Yes. On, on TikTok. Buzz um, E. Not what I thought it was. I'll <laughs> definitely say that. It's not. It's takes place in like modern times with this Evelyn Hugo being interviewed. So it's flashing back and forth between her and this reporter and mm. her life. I it's by the same author who wrote Daisy and the Six. Did you read that book? No, but didn't you not really like it? I thought it was fine. It's very yeah. it's a good story. It's a really good story. There's not a lot to it. Yeah. It's like a good movie where you're like, okay, yeah, that was entertaining, but you're not going to think about it after you mm-hmm, see it. Mm-hmm. Like Daisy Jones and the Six was like, yeah, it's an entertaining book. Like cool characters, very rich. Like it's amazing how much storytelling is involved in this book, but there's not a lot of depth. Like there's there's no like take home message, I feel. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Update us next week. Okay. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney. With production support from Dan White, our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. And then flash forward to current time where Aggie is pregnant with Duncan's baby. So, um, damn it. Then we flash back to current time where Aggie is pregnant. No, my God, I wrote Aggie. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I hate my life. Okay. <clears throat>